0: This is Pastor Mark Robinette of Foundation Church. We're so glad you've taken the opportunity to avail yourselves of our audio sermons. If they are encouraging to you, or if you just want to make a comment, we'd love to hear from you. Go to our website, www.foundationfellowshipchurch.org, and leave us a comment. Thank you, and it's a pleasure to serve you. Well, greetings this Lord today in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. God keeps his word. Everybody say God keeps his word. God keeps his word. 2 Peter chapter 3, 9 says, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise. But people don't always keep their word. I remember many men who used to say they don't people don't say this anymore, but how many you, you can raise your hand if you know a man who would say this. My word is my bond. Anybody know a man like that? Men like that, when they said their word is their bond, generally speaking, they take very seriously what they say. If they say they're going to do something, you can count on it. Uh, but though men do the best they can to keep their word, men cannot always keep their word. In movies, I always lament when they're like, I promise I'm going to come back for you. Well, how can they do that? They don't know that they're going to get killed or... A river isn't going to overflow its banks or an earthquake or the ground isn't going to open up. I mean, right? We don't know the future. You can't promise certain things uh, that you're going to do because you just can't. You don't know that you're going to be able to do them. You can always say, I promise I'll do my best. But today we're going to talk about promising and keeping our word and swearing and making oaths. And so in the theme of Scripture, uh, look for this, this in the theme of our Scripture. Our call to worship comes from Psalm 24. And when God describes a man who is a good man, he's a man who when he makes a promise or when he makes a vow, he keeps it. The earth is the Lord's in the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. For he hath founded it upon the seas and established it upon the floods. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord and who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands, he that hath a pure heart, He that hath not lifted up his soul to vanity, nor he that hath sworn deceitfully. He shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of His salvation. This is the generation of them that seek Him. They that seek Thy face, O Lord. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lift up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your head, O ye gates, even lift them up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Let us pray. Lord God, we love you. We thank you for inviting us into your gates, into your doors, into your house. We realize that we, indeed, as a people, are your holy habitation, and we uh have been invited by you into your presence and we have been in uh, we have called upon you to fill us lord and we know that you have answered today we know that as we are gathered together in your presence that you are here with us ready to forgive our sins ready to feed us with manna from above and to change us to be more like you we pray lord god that your word would make uh everlasting changes in who we are in christ's name we pray and all the church said amen Praise God from a moment did i read my text for you today my sermon title is called exceeding righteousness and it goes basically along with the theme that our righteousness should exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the pharisees it wasn't that we were somehow not supposed to worry about our righteousness but that we should be more righteous in our living than them Matthew chapter 5, my text will be starting in verse 33. Jesus is going through the law here, and He is comparing it to the spirit of the law. Again, you have heard that it had been said by them of old time, Thou shalt not forswear, but thou shalt perform unto the Lord thine oaths. But I say unto you, Swear not at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool, neither by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great King. Neither shalt thou swear by thy head, because thou cannot make one hair white or black. But let your communication be yea, yea, nay, nay, for whatsoever is more than these cometh of evil. Let us pray. Lord God, we come to this place in your word, and many have twisted it to have it say what it does not say Um, but it is true that it is somewhat confusing as we read it so i pray today that you would illuminate the word that it would be clear to us that we could recapture and reclaim for the kingdom this truth uh that you were teaching here in matthew chapter five in christ's name we pray and everybody said amen you may be seated jesus has if you remember sat down on a mountain and he's with his disciples and a multitude preaching about what what was jesus favorite subject everybody say it with me the well no not the long come on now the kingdom of kingdom of god he called the kingdom of heaven other times but all right you ready to go okay jesus sat down on the mountain he was preaching to the disciples of the multitude he's preaching his favorite subject the kingdom of god, kingdom of god. It was new to their minds, different from any kingdom the world had ever seen. It would come from different kinds of people than worldly kingdoms would come. It would come by different means, in so much that the very idea of the kingdom was impossible for them to comprehend. It was offensive to human nature, so prone to pride and uh, revenge. Uh, This kingdom would not come from those who would assert themselves, but... It would come from the poor in spirit who were indeed great in the Spirit of God. Those who understood that their lives were not that important, certainly less important than all the others in the kingdom. Dying for them meant being a stepping stone for others greater than themselves who would usher in the kingdom not by might and not by power, but it would come through the Spirit of God. Not through military conquest or the thundering of noisy chariots, Or battle machines, it would come in meekness, not weakness, power restrained. It would come like it came through the leader who would not open his mouth, although opening it would most certainly have meant the melting away of all those who opposed him. As Christ refused to call the legions of the angels to his side, he did not refuse to call them because he could not. He refused to call them because he wanted to unleash upon the world a power much greater than the angels. This was the power of the kingdom, like salt and light, quiet yet permeating everything. Those multitudes of poor in spirit would shine as lights in the world, dispelling darkness. But how would they do this? Their light would shine and be like the light that broke forth at the first creation when God had said, let there be light. Jesus the Creator, the Word made flesh, spoke here telling His followers that they would be the light of the world that would dispel the darkness, the new creation that would chase the darkness silently by shining the good works of the kingdom. What would these works be? But they would be obedience to the law. True obedience to the law. Not just the letter, but the Spirit of it as well. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of the law. He began at the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments, and he began peeling them off one by one. It hath been said of old time, but I say, it had been said of old time, but I say, he had explained to them that in the kingdom uh, it had been said that thou shalt not kill. He said, but I say that if you have hatred in your heart for your brother, if you call him a fool or you say that he's worthless, that That this is what is really understood and meant by the law. That it couldn't just be what uh, killing. He he deals with adultery. He said it can't just be that you're not committing the actual acts of adultery. But if you want to do them in your heart, but yet you're restrained for some other reason, then the sin is still present with you. And that the very uh, roots of adultery and the very roots of murder were anger and lust they needed to be killed at their very root that a man must be changed he must have a new heart whereupon is written god's commands and as we come to our place in the text he deals with taking the name of the lord in vain he's going through these commandments but we may miss the taking of the lord uh name in vain when he deals with the subject of oaths and promising because we miss it um we don't think this way Words would not be enough either here. It was a matter of the heart as well when it came to oaths and vows and swearing. Jesus had taken the hood off of what would have been superstition, the saying of magic words, and He put it in its true context. The spirit of the law is that men would be honest with one another, that they would fear God above all men or consequences, and they would understand that God was really present with them when they spoke to other men. He was not out there somewhere, uh, not concerned with how they treated one another. He understood that the power of trust and honesty, a giant and necessary pillar of the kingdom, an honor system that could and would build the great power of the kingdom would have to be built on telling the truth. Folks, telling the truth is an, an extraordinarily powerful thing. It has the power to... Exalt somebody, and has the power to bring them low. James says, if any man offends not in tongue, the same is what? A perfect man. And if I had to think of a way that we offend in tongue, more than any, it would have to be through lying. Now, I don't mean the kind of lying that bothers you. I mean the kind of lying that you do all the time that doesn't bother you. Now the Bible never calls on us for complete honesty, like, you know, Abby plays a song and, and later on she's wanting to know what I thought of it, and honestly I was busy and I wasn't thinking, and I go, it was beautiful, Abby, you know, well, on second thought I really didn't listen because I really didn't care that much about your playing, I mean, I don't know that it's necessary to say that, okay, I don't know that God calls on us to say, you know, you've never looked worse, sweetheart, in that dress, Uh, You you used to look pretty in it back in the day when you were pretty, but now that you're old, you know, and I mean, God is not requiring that of us. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the kind of honesty uh, that can build a kingdom, not one that tears it down. And the kind of honesty that can build a kingdom is when a man tells the truth, even when he knows it's going to cause him pain. And this is when I, I'm, you know, sometimes you get proud of your kids, you know, and you, you know that when they say yes, they know what's getting ready to happen, right? I'm getting ready to spank whoever did this. Did you do it? Yes, I did. And then you're like, in your mind, you're like, yeah. Anybody ever do that? Yeah. You know, Christine, you're like, it's becoming a man. He's willing to take his responsibility. Why? Because it's what it should do. The Bible says that a righteous man tells the truth even when it hurts him. And if you're in sales well may the lord help you uh, in fact you know my wife was listening to me selling advertisement for the for for the race and i think she's like over there like going oh no you know do they really know that only 20 people might show up i don't know i don't know what they know thousand dollars yeah well, that's what oh, i you're gonna this will be great for you and your company i don't know but, I mean, if they sold one house, if they got one client, they'd make more than they have invested, right? So in my mind, i got to just work it all out, right? That's how you get sponsored. That's how you sell stuff, you know? But God calls on honesty. You know, as listening to the story of Jephthah and uh, Andy was... And when, uh, when Matthew heard that Andy, Andy was telling him that we were going to speak about oaths and swearing or he had heard me say it, he said to his dad, he goes, I bet he's going to talk about Jephthah, dad. And so when uh, they begin to read from the book of Judges, the story of Jephthah, uh, he's looking at his dad like, yeah, check it out. You know. Don't you love it when your kids learn the word of God and they start drawing and connecting the dots? It's a great camaraderie to have with your kids. But man, was I was listening to the story of Jephthah, and, and this is a little bit of a, 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 de, a derail here. I didn't really expect this, but when I was hearing it, uh, I'm picturing Elizabeth coming out with tambourines knowing that her dad had won. And she's excited. How many of your kids run out to greet you in the car? Does this ever happen to you guys? Andrew and I will go and we'll be on a date or whatever. And unless we turn off the car and coast, you know, and sneak in the driveway, our kids are all out there and they're leaning on the car and they're wanting to get, I'm I'm like, we're with them all day, every day. And now they're outside and they're crawling on the hood and they're writing their name with a rock. You know, I love dad, you know, and on the paint job of the car, but of course it's beautiful. And. You know, whatever. But 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 I'm picturing Jephthah's daughter coming out to meet him with timbrel and dance, Dad, you won, Dad, you won. And he knows he has to kill his daughter according to his vow. Now, you might go, this is a terrible thing. But the thing that struck me in this story was that you know what the daughter didn't say to her dad? Dad, you should have never done that. You should have never said that. Dad, this, it's not my fault that I came out. It's your fault, Dad. That's not what she said. You know what she she honored God and she honored her dad so much that she stops her dad. Dad, don't worry about it. Whatever it is you said, Dad, that's good, that you you can perform that oath to the Lord. Would to God our children could honor us like that, even when we're wrong and we're stupid and we do bad things. Amen. May God give them the grace to be. But he had opened up his mouth and he had made a vow to the Lord. Many people would argue that the vow he should have never made. I would definitely argue he should have never made the vow. But the story isn't about that. The story is about the fact that he did make the vow and he did what? He kept it. And the story doesn't end with an explanation on what an idiot Jephthah was for keeping his vow. The story was a reminder about how serious some men take their word, and especially their word that they swear to God. Now, when we read this passage, and I'm going to read it again because I think we need to read, it sounds as though Jesus is saying, never, ever swear or promise anything ever. That's what it sounds like, okay? But that's not what He's saying, alright? And I can say that equivocally because if Jesus is saying that, He's contradicting hundreds of Scriptures in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. And, he, and the Bible itself is in trouble and in jeopardy if Jesus is saying that. So, so if you're here and you take the position that that's what Jesus says, you also have to take the position that the Bible contradicts itself, that Christ uh, contradicts the words of God of the Old Testament. And so I don't think anybody really wants to take that position. Okay? Sometimes you're like, well, I don't understand it. Well, all of Scripture must agree. It can't contradict. I'm going to read it again. Again, you have heard that it has been said by them of old time, thou shalt not forswear thyself. Okay? What does that mean? In, In our day, language means you should not swear and break your promise. Okay? If you swear, you better keep it. And if you don't keep it, bad things are going to happen. The idea of swearing is that you're asking God to be a witness that you have made this promise. And with the idea that if you were swearing to God, who knows all things, that you are asking God to bring harm upon you if you do not keep it. Now, is this something you would want to do lightly, anybody? This is not something I want to be doing. This is something I want to be doing, but I want to be doing it at the right time, and I don't want to be doing this. This is not a common thing. All right, here Jesus says, but I say swear not at all. This is where people get the deal, but you have to put it together because he doesn't say swear not at all, period. Swear not at all. Neither by heaven, for it's God's throne. Neither by earth, for it is his footstool. Neither by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Neither shalt thou swear by the head, because thou canst not make one hair white or black. Okay? Jesus is is talking about swearing that people do that we know all about. Okay, and we'll get to it here in just a second. But let your communication be yes, yes. Okay, everybody say your communication be yes, yes. No, no. For whatsoever is more than that comes of evil. Uh, I've quoted this before and I read to my wife, she was very patient with me, a big long passage from Orthodoxy by G.K. Chesterton this morning. But he said this one statement, he said, that which I believe... With unbroken certainty, I learned in the nursery when he was a little baby. That's what he says. And, you know, when when I started thinking about swearing, you know, I'm trying to think, you know, when do I do? I don't do this. And then I got to thinking, you know what? I'm forgetting being a kid. Children do a great deal of swearing. And uh, you may have forgotten what it is to be like a child, but if you stop and remember just for a moment... In five minutes, you're going to be standing with your fingers crossed behind your back going, I cross my heart and hope to die, stick needle in my eye, right? Now, I don't think any parent here has taught their child to do this, but I bet you almost every child in here knows how to do it, and they know the rules that if you if you did the swearing and you had your fingers crossed behind your back, what's that mean? Uh, any kid would answer, you know this... This rule's not in the Bible, by the way, but, but you know this rule. Come on, be honest. I know. I asked my kids, and they, they say you guys all do it. Come on. You're busted. What happens when you swear and promise with your fingers crossed behind your back, Sarah? It's not a real promise then, right? Isn't that the rule? You've never heard of this? This is the first time you've heard of this? All right. Hopefully, we, don't, we didn't just prove we got a liar down here. I hope not. <laughs> most kids, at least most any kid I've ever seen, they they somehow instinctively were born with the, uh, you know, they know how to do all this jinxing and all this jazz that they do, and they swear on stuff, you know. So, hey, listen, listen. I have a secret to tell you, Jake. Now, you have to swear not to tell. Nobody's ever said this to you? you? You don't have any friends that ever said to Maybe you have. It's hard to remember, right, sir? <laughs> Hence comes the root of this problem, okay. He swore not to tell. And of course he's gonna keep his oaths, right. Well anyway, children do a lot of swearing. I don't know, maybe maybe my kids are the only kids that know this and your kids don't know it. I know I didn't teach my kids to do it. And I know the only kids they have around are your kids, okay? So somebody taught them. I don't know where they learned it. I think it was from you bunch of heathens, okay? So it's what kids do. In fact, we all do it. It's such a part of our lives that we really don't think of it. uh, But today we're going to think about it. He understood how fundamental swearing oaths were and how important to regular life they are. Everybody, you know, it used to be, and, and, and if you read the law, it, it was, Calvin says it this way, men got, they, they, they would get to the point where they didn't know what else to do, and so they figured people at least would have the fear of God, and they would go, okay, Heath, you got to swear to God that what you're saying is true. And if someone was willing to do that, then you could just, it would be the end of the matter. Do you swear you did not take my cow? And he would say, I swear I did not take your cow. And you're like, well, he didn't take the cow. I mean, nobody would swear if they really took the cow. Okay? That's how it was. And so this became a regular part of life. And not only so, but it became such a part that people, people didn't know where they were telling the truth. And, didn't, and that they begin to do this all the time about everything. And so their, their conversation all day long was people were like, are you telling the truth? Are you serious? I don't know whether you're telling me the truth or not. And you'd be like, I swear by heaven and I swear by the earth and I swear by the clouds and I swear by, you know, all this stuff. And it became such a part of life. Have, have you guys ever, have you ever been around Jewish people very much? They have all these little sayings and all these little things that they do, you know? And so this was a part of their life then. I don't know if it, you know, was the same as it is now, but they'll have these little sayings, you know? You know, may the hands in my head all turn white, you know, or whatever. There's these sayings, their blessings and their cursings. And when people call curses on themselves, okay, they're swearing. So what they're saying is basically in a grown-up way, cross my heart, hope to die, stick a needle in my eye, that when I I swear on my mama's grave or you, I went to public school. So, you know, Andy, did this ever happen at your school? Do you know what I'm talking about? Did you teach your kids? Is it your kids that taught my kids? I swear, it wasn't mine. Okay. Now, besides baptism of our children, the assault on taking oaths by the Anabaptists may have been one of our most important points of theology that has been lost, that we've lost ground on. If you ask most people about this, and and if you say, what do you think about swearing and taking oaths, most people will either be uncertain about it, or if you read this passage, by the time they're done, they're like, well, yeah, there's definitely no swearing. I mean, there's no swearing at all now that I've read this passage. It's it's very it's it's something that we have lost in uh you know, we've lost this point of theological truth. Now, Jesus did not contradict hundreds of passages of the Old Testament and several of God's commands. God commands several times that we are to swear in his name. And there are provisions for when you do it or when you hear somebody do it. There are people who say they'll make a vow. Okay, back then things were a little bit different. Someone would kill somebody and they would say, well, I swear before I die, I will avenge my brother's blood and I will kill the man who took his life. And they swear this oath. So what do they got to do? What's the whole rest of their life got to be about they gotta be tracking that guy down. This is like the beginning of a lot of Westerns. Okay? I swear I'm gonna take revenge if it's the last thing I do, and they make and then their whole life, what are they doing? They're their revenge, you know. Jesus was not telling people not to swear or take oaths. Quite the contrary, he was affirming God's word that teaches us that we should indeed swear by the name of God. We should vow, and but when we do this, we need to keep them. Even to the point that Jephthah kept his, now, I know people that have made promises, you know, and they break them so easily that they're just worthless, right? But we should we should never swear or we should or we should keep our swears. okay, Does that make sense? This is what Jesus is teaching here. Now, Elder Peter Allison of Count and Covenant Church in Conroe, He wrote a paper on this because a regular part of becoming a part of our church and other Presbyterian churches is doing what? You guys ever listen to what we're set up there? It says, do you swear in the name of God that you will promote the peace and purity of this church, right? People do this. And so there are people, in fact, there was the family the Lightfoots. uh, They were planning on coming here, but when we asked them if... If, you know, we explained to them we, we can't baptize your child, we can't take you to membership until you take a membership vow. Where they're like, we don't, we don't really want to do that. Uh, and so they ended up actually going somewhere else and, and going to another church because this was something that we do. So what I wanted to do is I wanted to briefly, and I know I only have maybe ten or fifteen minutes here, maybe maybe hour, hour and a half from now. You guys, you guys ready to stick with me here? I only have 200 passages in the Scripture on my page here. You, got, you guys ready to go, all, go over all 200 of them? I'm not going to go over them, okay? Anyway, there are hundreds of passages on the subject, and in my notes here, I will not go over all of them, but there are 200 passages that touch on the subject of swearing. So if there are 200, and most of them are good, do you think, why would Jesus say not to do it? okay. The vast majority of them refer to swearing in a positive way, either God himself swearing or righteous men taking oaths in official business. Right? What what does the president do? He puts his hand on the Bible. The chief justice of the Supreme Court does what? I swear to uphold the office of president, right? That's called the swearing in of the president. When you go before a judge, what do they do? I swear to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth. So help me God. When we get married, what do we do? Beloved, here we are in the presence of God and in the, in, the, in the face of these witnesses, right? To join together this man and this woman in the bonds of holy matrimony, right? This is not something to be entered into lightly by any but soberly, reverently, in the fear of God. Do you take this woman to be your lawful wedded wife? Well, I do. What are we doing? We're making a vow in public with witnesses. We enter into a business contract. What do we do? The the uh, anybody ever go to a notary public? What what does a say? What's the notary say? You're a notary. You're not. All right. I for some reason somebody's a notary around here. But the notary says, "I swear." Okay. When you notarize something, you swear what? That Timothy Hatfield was here, and I saw his driver's license, and this is the signature of Timothy Hatfield. You can't do anything without swearing. Of any great importance whether it be on a loan agreement or in a marriage or at an adoption we go before the judge the judge tells us and the judge asks us do you swear what you're saying do you understand that this is true do you affirm and you're like yes 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 these are vows you can't go back on them they're like do you understand that this child is your child you're not keeping someone else's child he's your child at from this moment you can't, there's no going back from here. You can't go, well, we, you know what? We've had him for a while. We'd like to give him back. There's nowhere to give him back to. He's yours. There are three passages that stand out very clearly. Uh, Deuteronomy 6.13, Deuteronomy 10.20, and 2 Corinthians 1.23. Now I had 2 Corinthians 1, the whole chapter read for us earlier, but before looking at them, let's define our terms, Okay. To to swear means to affirm or utter a solemn declaration with an appeal to God for the truth of what is affirmed. Okay, Does that make sense to you? I'm telling you the truth and accusal. And I do so and I swear in the name of God that I am. That is what a, a, a swearing would be. Now, this is nothing that should ever be done on the playground. It should never be done between brothers and sisters in the house. It should certainly never be done... In any common area of life, it should be done in the most serious and solemn places, and it should be kept whatever vows we make. Now, there are people. You guys know the story of Louis Zamperini. Louis Zamperini. He's he's in a plane crash, and he's on the and he says, "Lord, if you save me." I will serve you the rest of my life and you know what that old man did that old man remembered his vow that he made to God and he realized he had not been keeping it and he decided to keep it that's why there was a movie made and a book written and that's why he goes around telling people he said I promised to God I vowed that if he saved me that I would do this and in the old testament you'll see it a lot because people are in life and death situations and you get and when the bullets start flying and your life is in jeopardy there's a whole lot of swearing that goes on Oh Lord, if you get me out of this situation. Oh God, Lord, if you if you heal my son. You guys remember Samuel when and you know his mother, Lord, if you give me a son, I will do this. Right? I will bring him to your temple. There's a whole provision in the Old Testament for when people swear that they're going to give their children for the service in the temple that if they realize they shouldn't have done it, they can actually pay for their son's time. Like, they're like, he's five years old and I promised him for five years. Well, what's it worth for a kid who's between five and ten for five years service and they're able to pay the money to get out of the swear? You might go, now, come on. They can just go to the elders and go, you know, I was, I was drinking or I, I, I got scared or I was, I was worried and I really shouldn't have said it. No, if you swear, you must keep it. Okay. The definition of an oath is this. A solemn affirmation or declaration made with an appeal to God for the truth of which is affirmed. The appeal to God in an oath implies that the person is calling God's vengeance, renounces God's favor if the declaration is false or if the declaration of a promise, the person invokes the vengeance of God upon himself should he not fulfill it. A false oath is called perjury and... um, Yeah. If you listen to the news this week, last week you heard a lot of perjury by someone running for president. And they are about to get in some serious trouble as a result of it. Uh, You are not allowed to lie to Congress because what, do you know why you're not allowed to lie to Congress? Steve, you know what they do when you go to Congress before you start talking? Guess what you do? You put your hand on a Bible and you say, I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth. Did you know it's a crime that you can go to prison for if you lie under oath? The director of the FBI has affirmed that Madam Secretary lied over and over and over and over to Congress. And so there's some trouble. So if not, I don't know what's going to happen to our country. Uh, If you cannot count on people to keep their promises... And you cannot count on them to tell the truth on the witness stand. You're in some serious trouble. Deuteronomy. Chapter 10, verse 20. Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God, and Him shalt thou serve. And to Him shalt thou cleave, and thou shalt swear by His name. Say, thou shalt swear by His name. So this is a command of God. When you swear, are you to swear by the doors of the temple? are you to swear by the clouds are you to swear by the the whatever if you're going to swear you swear by God because he's the only one that matters does anybody else matter swearing on your mama's grave is that anything swear you know swear on the clouds it means absolutely nothing Deuteronomy 6 thou shalt fear the Lord thy God serve him and thou shalt Swear by his name. Another command in Deuteronomy 6. It comes right after hero Israel. The Lord our God is one Lord. He's telling us that we should swear. Why should we swear? We should swear and it should help us to perform the thing that we have called. You know, sometimes swearing helps us to do what we're supposed to do. When a doctor takes an oath of office, what does he do? He takes an oath of office. What's the oath? The oath is swearing to God that he will what? Do you guys know what his, his oath says he will do? He will do no, do no harm. That's why we go and we appeal to these abortion doctors. What are they doing? Are they doing good or are they doing harm? They're violating their very oath that they are making before God and that every one of them had to swear. Seems like oaths are everywhere now. Right? And a few minutes ago in your mind, when do we ever do this? Now it's like doctors and courts and marriage and adoption and all of these important places. In the second letter to the Corinthians, Paul informs him that the reason he did not come to them was to spare them. And in the middle of his statement, he says, moreover, I call God for a record upon my soul. What is Paul doing? Paul is basically saying, I swear to God that this is true what i'm saying to you now not only did paul say this this is not just like recording that samson you know dated the wrong girl okay this is paul who is the apostolic writer of the epistle who is doing that so and he's doing so in holy scripture and so paul is either via, either scripture here is seriously being contradicted what jesus said and now, Paul and Jesus are opposed to one another here on this subject, or not? In fact, if you um, if you go up into the First Corinthians or Second Corinthians one, he talks about yes, yes, and no, no. So he's very, very familiar with Jesus' words, right? He said, our communication was yes, yes. And our communication was no, no. We were not going back and forth and back and forth. And when he gets to the end, he said, but I will tell you, I do swear in the name of God that what I'm telling you is true. He understood that that Christ's prohibition here was to making commonplace what should never be commonplace. It should never be that you know two little kids on the playground are swearing to one another that they're going to keep a secret or that they're going to do this or that they're going to do that or I promise that I'll come over to your house or that, that this is nothing that we should ever do. We should never do this. This should not be part of our conversation. It is a way of taking God's name in vain in an ungodly way. It is making very, very common what God does not call common. In Paul's statement. He does not just let his yes be yes. He appeals to God to corroborate what he is saying is true. The appeal to God for the record of his soul is essentially verbatim what matches Webster's definition of affirming or uttering a solemn declaration with an appeal to God for the truth of what is affirmed. The clear example of the apostle taking an oath in this canonical letter, Paul is not just recording a historical fact uh for uh, someone else took an oath he is actually taking the oath right in his letter to the corinthians the text of scripture there is an oath and and i just went over that why that's important paul also says something similar to this in romans chapter 9 he affirms the desire of his heart for the jews to be saved if you remember uh god coupled with deuteronomy passages commanding us to swear it's impossible to interpret Matthew 5 in any other way to say that Jesus is forbidding people to take oaths. So don't worry about going to court and and feeling somehow you're doing something ungodly. That's where you should do it. You just should never do it in ordinary speech, okay? I'm going to go through a few of these for us and work our way through a couple things, and then I'll I'll close here. Um, Hebrews 6.16 says that God... um, There was no one greater for God to swear by, so he swore by what? So now we have God swearing. So does God sin? And we might go, well, it's not a sin for God to swear because he can keep his promises. Well, but we're also to be like him, right? So God swears. And if you read in most of these hundreds of these scriptures that talk about it, do you know what the land is referred to, Jason? It's the land which God swear. To give unto my fathers. You guys remember that terminology? You've heard it through the Bible over and over. And he brought you up out of the land of Egypt to take you into the land that he swore to give to you. Right? He made an oath and a promise to Abraham. Remember that there was a promise that was made. Okay, uh, he, Hebrews six sixteen. Men verily swear by a greater. And an oath of confirmation is, is to them an end of all strife, okay? Just like I said, Andy and I are having an argument. Who you know, And Andy's like, hey, I'm going to put an end to this. I swear to God that this is true, and that's the end of it. Because what? I should believe that he has the fear of God, and I should say, well, that ends it, okay? I'm not going to argue with you anymore. Wherein God, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of the promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed by an oath, that he did so. It would be inappropriate to say that anything God does is like a sinful action of man. If swearing an oath was a sinful practice, then what sense could Paul say that God was swearing an oath just like men do? In an analogous passage in Revelation chapter 10, uh, there is an angel. And you know what the angel does? The angel swears. Okay this angel is uh most people believe is christ in revelation 10 he swears an oath to the creator who lives forever and ever the angel which i saw stand upon the sea and the earth lifted up his hand to heaven and he swore by him that lives forever and ever who created heaven and things that are and the earth and the things therein in the sea and the things which are therein should that, there, that time should be no longer psalm 15 uh, and psalm 24 which was our call to worship describe men who can abide in God's house. The characteristics of these men are men who swear, but they keep their oaths, even if it causes them injury. If swearing is wrong, then a righteous man would be described as someone uh, who doesn't swear, not someone who swears an oath and keeps it. Um, The person who can ascend to the hill of the Lord is someone who does not swear deceitfully, not someone who doesn't swear at all do you understand the difference swearing is an important part of the godly life scripture commands us to swear by his name it gives us example of god swearing by his own name several examples of oaths are written right in the text of scripture Um, if we look at it another way through god's command to be holy even as he is holy in first peter 1 16 we are to be imitators of god we are to be conformed to his image we are seeking to follow Christ's example, continually asking ourselves, would Jesus do this? Well, we see Jesus doing it in Revelation chapter 10. Uh, Jesus tells Satan that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. There cannot be two standards of holiness or two laws of God. God calls us the way that we are imitators of God is by obeying the law and, of course, in it over and over. And I'm going to go over a few of these passages Um They start in Genesis, and don't get scared. I'm not going to go over all these, but just 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 hang with me just a minute so that you're not just hearing that I said it, okay? Genesis 21, now therefore swear unto me that thou will not deal falsely with me. Remember, Abraham's dealing with this guy, and he's got his, his wife with him, and he's like, hey, you need to swear to me that you're not going to deal falsely with me. Uh, and he said, Abraham said, I will swear. And so they, they made swear, okay? Uh, he called the place Beersheba, Genesis 21. Why? Because they swore there. Genesis 22, by myself I have sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son. Abraham offers up Isaac to God, and then God in return swears to Abraham that he's going to give him the land that he go- that he's said he would give him genesis 24 i will make thee to swear by the lord the god of heaven and the god of earth that thou shalt not take a wife unto my son of the daughters of the canaanites among whom i dwell remember when he, he needed a wife for his son he's getting ready to die and he's sending out his servant you need to swear to me that you're not going to marry her off to some canaanite woman that you're going to marry her for my people and what does he do he's people he swore that he would genesis 24 the lord god of heaven which took me from my father's house and from the land of the kindred and He swear unto me saying unto thy seed i will give thy land and from genesis 24 all the way through exodus and leviticus and through the old testament the land is referred to as the land sworn by god to be theirs that's how they could count on it that it would be theirs okay um there's then there's tons of them all kinds of swearing in the book of genesis uh about Jacob and about you know all that all the all the different things that they you know swear that when I die that you're going to take my bones you know over there and all this stuff. There are times when they will put their hand on their thigh and they had a way of of making a promise, kind of like you know uh, we have a, we shake hands right. We, we we as our hands touch each other, and sing, you know we bond together and I agree. This is a this is a a promise uh, in a notion. Or in in a motion. Um. There are rules in Leviticus five. If if a man sins, and you hear the voice of this man swearing uh, as a witness, whether he has seen or known of it, if someone knows about something, and someone has said, "I swear that I'm going to kill this guy," and if you heard this, and you're called before the court, you're going to have to testify that you heard this man say this. Leviticus chapter 5 verse 1 if a soul swear pronouncing with his lips to do evil or good whatsoever that a man shall pronounce with an oath it shall be hid from him when he knows of it then he shall be guilty in one of these so when if man does the evil deed that is done you're still going to have to tell on him okay um they they would have this thing they god had a way of determining whether something was you found it or whether you stole it okay in leviticus it says if you found that which was lost and you lie about it and you swear falsely and any of these things that a man does, he sins. You know, oh, I found this at my house, this wad of money. And you're like, man, I dropped it out of my car. Oh, well, it was in my... You know, I found it in my yard. Oh, okay. Well, you get to keep it. You know, like, you know how you're going down the road and you find... How many have dreamed of finding the briefcase of money? Has anybody ever dreamed of that? I've dreamed of that. In fact, we had a relative who his entire, like he took takes walks every day in different places hoping to find the the money that the drug dealer threw out of his car while the police were chasing him He, he he never found it did he i think he died he never found that money but uh but you know you find the money and what do you do you go hey i found the money and you turn it in you know that's a rough one that'd be a rough one for me uh all that he has sworn leviticus there's all this stuff about you shall not swear by God's name falsely, neither shall thou profane the name of God. I am the Lord. Numbers 11, have I conceived this people? Have I begotten them? Um, because the Lord was not able to bring the people into the land, which He sware unto them, therefore He has slain them in the wilderness. He He goes on. There, it, it's, it's hundreds of times. Deuteronomy, uh, over and over, the land, the land, the land that I swear, the land that I swear, all, there's like 50 of them, 60 of them in Deuteronomy that affirms it. Then we come to the story of Joshua and he meets this woman Rahab, right? And he tells her, hey, you know, and she goes, hey, I need you to swear that what you said, remember she said, if you help us, we'll make sure you're safe. So she does what? Makes them swear. And they say, okay, if we don't do what we say, then we're going to pray God's vengeance. But if you don't do what you say, our promise is off. So they add like the conditions to their promise, right? Joshua 2.12, I pray you swear unto me the Lord, since I've showed you kindness, that you will show kindness to my father's house and you will give me a true token of the promise. The men said unto her, we will be blameless of the oath which, which we made, that you made us swear. And if thou utter our business, if you tell anybody that we've been here, uh, then this oath is no good anymore. And so there are conditions even to the oath that Rahab is making. But you can go through the Old Testament. You can go to Joshua. Uh, God says... That we should not swear by other gods. That, that obviously is pointless. You know, you meet people and oh, we're going to swear by this God or that God. Never ever do that. That's also in the, in the Ten Commandments. Uh, Samson is having the people swear that they, you know, hey, swear to me that if I do this, you won't do that. Of course, he's dealing with heathens. You cannot, do not accept the word of the ungodly. That's why the Bible tells us entering into partnerships are vain. They're dangerous why 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 shouldn't we do it when they do an oath if they don't believe in God what's the point? I swear in the name of God I mean they could be saying I swear in the name of Pinocchio they, they don't believe in God. I'm saying why should we expect these people that don't believe in God why should their swearing mean anything? there's no, they have nothing to mean but yet what's funny is our whole system of government is built on swearing and telling the truth and making oaths no one has stopped to understand that our system is completely silly since none of these people believe in God to begin with what does it mean to say you swear you know now the worst trouble you can get in is by law enforcement well I'm gonna tell you right now there's a greater law that can be enforced by God amen and so we could go through the whole testament if you want to, if you would like to have a copy of this article I would recommend that you read it um, um but I I would end with this because I've just I've gone too long swearing should only be done very solemn very serious and you should mean it and you should not go back on it period okay Uh, there are times when your wife does it that you can actually take it back men this is a, a safety thing elaine a guy comes to the door and you buy the $3,000 Kirby vacuum cleaner, you know, and, 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 and you, you basically, you know, are swearing that you're going to pay and you sign the loan document or whatever, you know, the guy's like, actually, it'll be cheaper for you to own this than it actually will cost you. And you know how I know that? Cause I used to sell them. And, and at the, at the end of it, it's like, I'm, I'm actually going to earn money by buying this vacuum. Cleaner. This is amazing. The most amazing thing ever. You know, like I'm. I, don't, I need to quit my second job because of the extra money I'll have just from having this, this machine in my house. You know? but, but in the Scripture, when you would make these oaths, uh, the husband has to no, no, absolutely not. Your children make them, absolutely not. This is all a part of our law today. Did you know that you can't, do, you can't commit to both of you? You can't do it. You know that your children, when they're underage, that they can't do it. These are all based on biblical law. Isn't that amazing? And isn't that frightening? Because they're going to rewrite all of these laws one day when they, because right now they wouldn't know what to do. We'd have to just trash the whole thing. But I would say this, as I was reading these things and when I'm talking about swearing, it actually reminded me more about being honest than anything. And I think all of us could be a little bit more honest. I think that all of us, there are places where we are not telling the truth where we should tell the truth. Amen. I hope God pricks your heart today. And I hope that you say, you know what? I'm my words. I'm going to be more careful with my words. I'm going to, I want to build trust. I want, you know, it, it actually, and maybe some of you are going to giggle at me and it's okay. I'll, I'll take it. But what my children told me that I exaggerate and this made me mad. Okay. And you, cause you might go, well, well, Mark, we know you and you do. well, I can tell you right now, I never exaggerate on purpose. If I'd say something, I say it the way that I remember it. And I may see it bigger than you saw it. I may go and I may think there's 100 people there, and you may go, there were 25 or there are 30, you know. Well, I wasn't telling you 100 because I wanted you to think it. That's because that's the way I remember it, okay? So I want to work on that. I'm a bad judge of numbers and time. And, and, you know, last year I visited so-and-so. My wife will be like, last year? That was four years ago. And I'm like, "Ugh, you know. That's not being dishonest. That's just, in a sense, not having a clue, okay? <laughs> but, but, but it's not okay to, be, well, I exaggerate. It's not a, okay to under-exaggerate either. And some of you under-exaggerators out there, well, there were 20 people. Well, there was a good 50 but your little unexaggeration brains got it down to 20. That's just, as, that's just as bad, but that's not what we're talking about. We should care that our words mean what they say. Amen? We should not be known as the flatterer. We should not be known as the exaggerator, either under or over. Our words, the more we care about our words being truthful to one another, the more trust we can have. Amen? The, the reason why I'm married to my wife today is because we had trust. I, we knew each other when we were children. Some people had said some horrible things about her. You know what I said, Steve? I said they're a bunch of liars is what they are. I don't even, I don't even have to ask her. I don't even have to. I, I know because my wife is not a liar. I knew her. And some people you can trust. Some people you'd be like, I'll stand up before the court. And I'll stand up on your behalf, why? Well, that's my friend, I believe in them. To have that kind of trust was already built between us as children, and I'm telling you, it's the kind of trust if you can build between people, it's a valuable, valuable thing. And it it is a great power of the kingdom. People in this world who reject God and they reject God's word, they don't understand what they're doing. They don't understand what they're creating. They're creating a world where no one can be trusted, where the fabric of society is so porous that nothing will be held in in it. They are destroying themselves, but they don't realize it. Folks, the kingdom of God will come when people tell the truth to each other. Amen? So let us speak the truth, every man to his neighbor, as it says in Ephesians chapter 4. Let us pray. Lord, we realize that we don't need to be swearing every other statement or swearing in every situation and making it into a common thing but that it should be very rare it should be on those solemn serious occasions when we find it necessary to call upon you to validate our statements lord let us in doing so honor your great name as jephthah honored your name and his daughter honored him and you by saying dad if you said that then let it be unto me according to your promise to god lord i pray lord that we would get character like that built in us lord that it was more important for us to keep our word than to be harmed lord that we would say we have we have called upon the name of god we have made a promise and even though that will hurt me that is a promise that i honor god by keeping and i put my life in the hands of God Lord may we realize that there is none greater than you may we realize that our words matter and they either build trust or they tear it down and I pray that we would be those who were poor in spirit great in your spirit though God that we would tell the truth even when it hurts us and that the people near us would learn to understand that indeed our word is our bond In Christ's name we pray, and all the church said, Amen. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Robinette of Foundation Church. Thank you for taking the opportunity to listen to our audio sermons. We would love to hear from you if you have any comments, questions, or just to let us know how they served you. Go to our website, www.foundationfellowshipchurch.org and send us a note. Thank you, and it's a pleasure to serve you.